Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the B-Roll Podcast. We are the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. My name is Chris. And my name's Anthony. We are your hosts, co-hosts, cohorts. Mm. Anyways, on the B-Roll Podcast, we watch straight to stream sci-fi, sci-fi adjacent, you know, fantasy, supernatural uh, films, and apparently TV shows. That's one of our new things. Uh, we did that again today. We watched Another Life on Netflix. Second yeah. season coming out soon. Second, yeah, you notice they're calling it a series. I'm guessing it's uh, British? It's Canadian. It's a Canadian television show. Hmm. I don't know why they're calling it a series instead of a season, but it's essentially season two. Yeah. <laughs> well, I say it's Canadian. It's its production is based in British Columbia. So Well, as is a lot of things, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Another life. Yeah, you picked this. I did. Finally, a proper science fiction television show. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> we Well, we I think the first two shows we did were, were fine. We had a good reasons for choosing them. Or just, you know, random, whatever. But they did both end up being in that fantasy, supernatural, metaphysical realm. Well, this is very much science fiction. There is very no much. fantasy uh, yet, I guess. And this is with the pilot. It's very, like I said, very straightforward science fiction, which I enjoy. We haven't done that in a while. <laughs> Watch something that we enjoyed? <laughs> oh, no, no. We've done that. But I mean, just straight science fiction. Yeah. So Another Life is described on wikipedia uh, another life is an american science fiction drama web television series wow yeah that's all it says wow. really i think imdb is your best bet for a quick blurb probably i feel and like we haven't blurbed in a while i feel like wikipedia can give away too much so i don't like to read it beforehand but the blurb sure. on imdb is usually pretty spoiler free blurb me Astronaut Nico Breckenridge and her young crew face unimaginable danger as they go on a high-risk mission to explore the genesis of an alien artifact. Kudos for the word genesis. <laughs> Did I dig it? Is it is it two Rathacon references back-to-back episodes? <laughs> <laughs> there yeah. cannot be enough Wrath of Khan references. Yeah, exactly. Starring main characters KT Sackoff. Katie? Uh, she is. That's just, it. Says KT, uh, Kat E. I don't know. I'm not out here trying to tell people how to pronounce their names, but uh, also <laughs> known uh, or best known, I should say, is Starbuck from uh, Battlestar Galactica. The uh, reboot, yeah. The reboot, yes, yeah. The hard reboot. <laughs> <laughs> she was also in a couple other things. A lot of voice acting, some TV. She had a great turn as a uh, doll, the mercenary in a uh, Reddick. Which I thought was. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Justin Chatwin, your boy, he's in this. Famously played uh, Goku in a oh, live action <laughs> Dragon Ball Z movie. Oh, uh, they did that? <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah. Ah. Uh, a couple other people I don't really recognize. And then Selma Blair, she's in this television show. She wasn't in the first episode, but she was. she's going to be in this show, apparently. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Did you play Mass Effect Andromeda? Have I ever asked you this question? I have a game save for Mass Effect Andromeda. Okay. It's some hours in, but not significantly. Sure. I thought the scenes in space were very Andromeda-esque. Yeah? Very much so. I mean, because like the being in hypersleep or somatic sleep, as they call it in this show. Small crew, lots of different personalities. You know, just traveling to unknown space in a spaceship. I thought it was a... Sure. I just... I got some vibes. Okay. 
And uh, I definitely think Nico Breckenridge doing a very good job trying to channel her inner femshep, in my personal opinion. I, I never, in terms of Mass Effect, you can either be a bro shep, which is a male shepherd, or a femshep, which is a, a woman shepherd. And I was never a, uh, I never played a femshep, but I heard she's a pretty good, like the voice actress is really good. Yeah, I've heard the same. I don't disagree, I guess. I don't know. It's in the realm that Mass Effect especially Andromeda and this are fairly generic. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, you got that, like the, the badass female lead. Oh, and she very much is. We're not taking anything away from her for that. Like I'm not saying that in any sort of sarcastic manner. You don't always get a badass female or a badass woman captain of a ship. No, I like Katie Sackhoff. I liked Battlestar Galactica, 75% of it anyways, 80% of it. I liked her there. And you can see a little bit of that kind of hard as nails type of character in this, but a lot more. She's very mature. When we're talking to her about, we call it, you're calling her badass and whatnot. I think she's very much level-headed. She's very, I don't know, I'm not sure what the word is I'm looking for. So I'm going to let this thought go, but I'm going to come back around to it. I gotcha. I was going to say she's very much a leader, but she also shows a lot of vulnerability. Yeah. She has a young child in the show. She's married as a family. Sometimes you don't get both. You get the emotional person or you get the tough person. You rarely get a character who can balance the scale between one minute she's screaming at Ian. How do you pronounce his last name? Oh, Ian Zert Yerksa. Yerksa. I think it's Yerksa. One minute she's screaming at him and then the next minute she's crying because she's having a conversation with her daughter who's a million miles away and she probably won't see for a while. So Very long while, yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough... I think the internet might disagree with us. Yeah. Another Life has all a 4.9 rating Yeah, on IMDb. Yeah. Interesting. I don't see that from the pilot. Yeah. Honestly. I don't see it either. It's not a 10, but... Very confusing. If you switch over to Rotten Tomatoes, Another Life has 6%, yeah, but the audience bit. score is 60 percent yeah so maybe a bit of a disconnect yeah the critic consensus is a hodgepodge of science fiction homage another life lacks the distinctive spark necessary to set it apart from the array of stories it aspires to be no yeah, maybe yeah i will say that from the pilot episode i plan on watching more oh i was hooked i was really intrigued yeah and if you're not a science fiction fan i could absolutely say you probably don't want to watch this this is not going to interest you if you like science fiction there's there's a lot going on here I like it a lot. I like the dual storylines that are going on between what's going on on the on the ship, and what's going on back at Earth. But it's also, I think, I started off by saying it's very science fiction, very oh, much science fiction, hard science fiction. There's not a lot of exposition. It doesn't hold your hand. It doesn't say like they they wake her up from stasis, hypersleep. What they call it, somatic sleep, soma. Yeah, soma, like somatic yeah. sleep. Yeah. They don't tell you that she's been asleep for the last month. They wait until it's part of the story. You find that out. Like They don't tell you, oh, she's been asleep because that's how deep space travel works. Blah, blah, blah. They just let you figure that out on your own. I love the lack of handholding. If you're new to the genre, it could take a little bit, I think, to get into. But if you've, if you've watched or read a good bit of science fiction, you shouldn't have any of those problems. It very much feels like something that's aimed at science fiction fans. Yeah. That's why I was saying, like, I got, I did get Mass Effect vibes from it, only in the terms of, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to spend the time to, to, to go into whether or not Mass Effect is science fiction or not, but uh, I mean, it is very is much a, a, well, I mean, there, there are people who say no because of the biotic 
powers. Anyways, ugh, all right. Mass Effect is very. I don't even want to say hard science fiction, but it's it's, it's space very opera. Space opera, but it practical in a sense. Sure. Less Star Wars, more Star Trek, but not yeah, <laughs> not quite all the way. It looks normal, right? But it's future esque, and that's what this show reminded me of. When we're on Earth. Everyone has a tablet. They got these earpieces that, you know, double as a phone. You know, that that's that's normal. We have that right now. More or less, yeah. And it looks a little bit like just barely, I think we called that in Code 8, whether just near future. Yeah. I don't know what year this is. Did you catch what year this takes place in? No, but at some point someone does say in the year 2026. Right. I caught that. So, so I know it's at least yeah, yeah. how many of years past that. And then when they're on the spaceship, this spaceship, the... Salvare. I mean, I don't know what spaceship design. I don't know how to design a spaceship, but it's not crazy futuristic. It doesn't look like the Enterprise. It looks like a space station that just happens to be mobile, Mm -hmm. which I think is what you would have if we had deep space travel. It'd be a ship that is long, narrow fuselage. I don't know. And even like when they're in the ship, you kind of see the panels and the hallways. It it looks like a like a military vessel. It does. Yeah. It's very practical. Yeah. It doesn't have like the big open 10 foot hallways that the Enterprise D <laughs> had. You know what I mean? Like sure. the massive hexagon shaped hallways. But yeah, it's utilitarian. You can look at it and you know, oh, that's what that is. That's these are panels along the wall. So they can get in there if they need to do something. These view screens, there's no... I don't think we saw a hologram. No, we did. We did see we a hologram. <laughs> it's one of the major uh, characters. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Spoilers. Sorry. But I mean, like the interfaces are all right. modern looking. They're they're flat screen panels and mechanical keyboards. There is one instance where they do show like a. They do touch a screen at one point. Yeah. But it's a combination. And we have those now. Right. Anything you want to add or anything you want to bring up? I think I've kind of showed my hand um, as okay. far as whether or not we like it or not. <laughs> obviously we got nine more episodes it could definitely it could go either way uh, but at this point okay i'm good how about you i'm ready let's uh brickety break this plot down cut that you know our first shot <laughs> our first shot of this show is of a, a woman staring at a mirror this might actually be selma blair now that i think about it i don't know yeah. anyways i don't i've been pretending uh, to know who that is carry on oh she was in hellboy this is like the third podcast in a row that you've brought up Hellboy. Yeah, it's yeah. a good movie. Yeah, it is. Oh, she wasn't Hellboy. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know who that is. Yeah. All right. She's staring at a mirror. She asks, what's great about this wall? And then, what do you call those people who... A yes person. This is a yes woman. And she says, oh, you standing in front of that wall. That's what makes it great. And she's like, Haha. no. She walks towards this big wind, like this huge windowed section. We're in Westminster, New York, or Westchester, New York, sorry. She uh, talks about how the wall is clear of people, smokestacks, four families to an apartment. I guess she's rich because she's a social media celebrity with 250 million followers. I like the way they show you this character who you immediately hate (laughs) and use her little monologue of how good she is to kind of set up what type of world they live in. Yeah, very vain, obsessed with celebrity, probably. Obviously. She's about to film, I guess, a a social post so that's a post on the social she calls her people harpies yeah and then the lights short out and there's a little bit of shaking and then i have here that a big floppy metal fruit loop flies over them <laughs> fair enough it's a mobius strip but all right yeah i get yeah you're right it's mobius strip anyways it's flying around 
we get a, a little bit of a voiceover, I guess, like a news, like, hey, this thing's flying around, it's moving towards blah, blah, blah. Then we get some radio chatter. And then it unceremoniously crashes into the ground. And then a huge crystalline structure shoots out of the ground. And then we get our title sequence. That's the opening. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, real cool. We cut to someone looking. Can I say that I'm just glad that that character from the beginning, I'm glad she didn't show up again. Oh, I, I have news for you. If that uh. is in fact Selma Blair. <laughs> someone is scrolling through some personnel files. As we're zooming out, she's scrolling through. And then we look at a young girl, a very young, young, young woman. I don't know how old this girl is. Maybe five or six. I don't, I don't yeah. understand. Children's More than interested. five, less than ten. She's asking her mother, Katie Sackhoff, if uh, the new school she's moving to has enough friends, which I, I think you can relate moving to a new school, you know, having to make new friends again for the first time. Yeah, often. It's kind of a pain. Yeah. Katie is not paying attention. No. Thankfully, right, just in the nick of time, her husband arrives, Justin Chatwick. He's a scientist. He's been studying this crystalline phenomenon or this crystalline structure. And he, he says, hey, you know how it's been sending signals out into space? And he's about to tell her what he found out. And she cuts him off and says, you found out where it's beaming these signals. And it's a place called Pi Canis Majoris. Is that a real place? I'm sure. I'm Googling it. Yep. It's a binary star system in the southern constellation of Canis Major. Huh? All right. It's a real place. Uh, That's been a pretty big trend lately. 96.5 light years from the sun. Well, I think I think in any medium, it pays to do the research. I say that on this podcast, in which we do almost no research at all. Almost. But if you're going to spend millions of dollars, and you're going to say something that millions of people around the world are going to hear and see, you might want to get it right the first time. He asks how she found out. She says, oh, General Dubois told me. The first thing we can assume is that she's in the military or she's former military. She uh, reveals to him that they are sending a ship called the Salvare and they want her to be in command of it. This family is moving. I don't remember what the place they're moving to, but she says, we need, I need to be in Houston by Friday. He says, we're moving to blank next week. And then he's like, is this decided? She says, I don't know, which is interesting. Um, I've never been on that side of the discussion. I never, I've never been with someone who was shipping out. You know what I mean? So I just, I, I don't know what it's like to be on that side of the conversation. I don't know what it's like to be on the other side of that conversation either. No. <laughs> I mean, telling I my then fiance that I was going to spend a week and a half in El Paso for work is a little different than traveling through space for six months, because that's how long they're going to be in space. That seemed a bit odd. They said three months there, three months back, but they're not going to spend any time there. Is that... Well, they reveal that Eric, Justin Chatwick's character, Eric Breckenridge has spent months leading. He's a scientist in charge of a group of scientists who are trying to communicate with the artifact. And apparently they're not they're either not doing a, a good enough job or they're not doing it fast enough because uh, as want to do, the military is thinking of only one thing, you know, military actions. As they do. They want to send a group of people to where these things are going. And I guess maybe the three months there, three months back is is maybe not an exact time frame. You know, if they need to, if I don't, I don't think they're going to be there for 30 minutes and then turn around and leave. They might be there for like a week. I mean, if they actually find alien life, they could be there for as long as it takes, right? right. Unless they plan on dropping something off. I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past the U.S. military to drop a nuclear bomb on someone on the way out. Wow. Wow. I can't believe you would think that. 
Yeah, I saw Stargate. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we did that on Stargate, didn't we? Uh, That's a. So, we all know that that is a hundred percent true documentary. Yeah, it, it, Kurt Russell in the flesh. He asks why this guy uh, Yerksa. I think that's how it's pronounced. Y e r x a Yerksa can't lead the mission, and she says, "Well, he's not qualified." And then he, he's like, "You trained him." I know he's not qualified because I trained him. He's a hothead. And uh, they have a little bit of back and forth. I guess for her, what she's really truly scared about is that they don't send the right person for the job, and the mission goes sideways, and then everyone on Earth is in trouble. Because she doesn't go. Right. Yeah, she feels a personal responsibility. Yeah. I don't want to do this, but I'm the best person for it. I know I'm the best person for it, so I'm going to do it so it doesn't go wrong. I actually, I wrote down here, and this will be my second Stargate reference of this episode, that this must be what it's like for Samantha Carter to date, you know? Like, what? she's this Samantha Carter from the TV well, I show. Well, I know who. I said what? You know, if she has a boyfriend who's not in the military or whatever, she tells him, oh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta go do a thing. And uh, I won't be back for months. You know, that's got to be hard on your relationships. It's a little different because this guy's married to Nico. Yeah. Anyways, her phone starts ringing. It's General Dubois. And uh, Eric asks her, he asks Nico, when does Dubois need an answer? She doesn't say anything. They both just look at the phone and then hug. So I guess the answer is now. (laughs) It's time to put up, I guess. How'd you feel about this particular scene? Yeah, set the stakes, the personal stakes for our main character, introduced them to their family, her sense of obligation, told us a good bit about her and why she's doing what she's doing. I thought it was well done. Yeah. Okay. Oh, she also mentions that she doesn't want to go back in space. And then I guess he pretty much is like, is that the truth? Which I guess causes a little bit of their argument. I guess she's uh, been in charge of spaceships before. Interesting. We get our scene changed to a spaceship. Not the spaceship that crash-landed on Earth, mind you. An actual spaceship, the Salvar. The Salvare? Salvare? Anyway. Salvare, yeah. It's been one month. We get this really cool shot of camera panning through the hallways. Everything's dark. And then slowly the lights start coming back on. Nico is awoken from her pod. I, I wrote down here that uh, I actually like this form of space travel. Yeah. A cryosleep or the somatic sleep or the hypersleep, whatever... However you describe putting humans to sleep for months, years at a time. It's pretty neat. She comes to, she's groggy. She's moving down the the hallway, kind of stumbling around, which is fair. She's been asleep for a solid month. First time she's been awake in a while. Yeah, I'm surprised she can walk that quickly. Well, she's a captain. She calls out for William. There's a whoosh. And I know there's a whoosh because the subtitles say whoosh. (laughs) And a uh, man appears behind her. He says, uh... He actually says out loud, Series A, Serious A is throwing some stuff at them. And then she's like, Serious A? Huh? The ship kind of shudders and she's thrown through him. We find out he's a hologram. Yeah. I guess he's like the ship AI, very Cortana-ish from Halo. More Andromeda. Oh, like Sam? From Andromeda. Oh. No, the the sci-fi show takes place on the ship Andromeda. Nothing. Based on Gene Roddenberry's notes. So it's Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. It stars Kevin Mm. Sorbo in the lead as the captain. (laughs) How much time does he get? No, he's the lead. (laughs) And the... (laughs) No, and the ship has a... AI personification called Andromeda. Like they name the ship and the AI are are one or what have you. Hmm. She walks around and does things. So it reminded me of that way more than 
anything else because he, you know, walks around and does things. He's cool. a full human size person or hologram. Cool. And this is a common it's a common trope. I mean, if it happened in Andromeda, it was in a oh, what was it? A D, uh, Voyager, Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, Voyager had the EMH. Yeah. Uh, apparently, we're off course. There was a massive field of dark matter that was in the way. And he says the only way that we could get through it would be to travel at impulse speeds. And it would add an additional seven months. They could go around it, but it still adds some time. And uh, while they're debating this, William asks her, if, what is the plan if the aliens are hostile or hostile? And uh, she says, our job is to open up a dialogue. And then she just kind of smiles. Yep. <laughs> She uh, gives the order to wake up Team 1, and then she goes into, I guess, the pilot seat, if this ship were to have a pilot, which, you know, is weird because it has an AI. The star is white, which I thought was really neat. I don't, like, yeah, I thought... Yeah, stars are white. I, I thought stars, I thought white stars were, like, really, really, really hot. Yeah. All right. So Sirius, <laughs> Sirius is the brightest star in the night sky. Cool. Yeah. Sirius is almost twice as bright as Canopus, the next brightest star. Crazy. Very red. It's actually in the Canis Major constellation. Oh, cool. So you said the star is white. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it not blue? It might be blue. Like maybe maybe it's bluish. Yeah, you might be right. What What type of star is it? It says blue, like on Wikipedia. Yeah, no, it is blue. Maybe I was, I don't know. It looked just white. For like half a second at some point. Yeah. No. Blue. All the way. I'm a fool. I'm an idiot. I know nothing. And I actually thought, like I said, I think the ship looks pretty neat. It looks like a, I guess what an actual spaceship would look like in real life. So yeah. it's cool. As of our current understanding. We, uh, <laughs> it was just a big shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, out of a 3022. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a shuttle. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of 3022, we got to talk about that in a second. We cut back to Earth. Eric and Jenna are walking. I guess he's trying to walk her home from school. And he says, hey, 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 you know, let's hurry up. I got work. We can have a movie night. And she's like, can I have popcorn? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And she's like, can I have ice cream? And he's like, yeah, 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 of course. And then she says, mommy never lets me have both. Ugh. And he replies with the most dad thing I think I've ever heard in my life. He says, well, I'm in charge. So you get the silver lining, which, you know, there were plenty of opportunities that my dad had to uh, agree with my mother's plan and was like, you know, no, let's have ice cream instead. So, right. Thanks, Dan. She actually gets upset. She starts crying. She's very upset that Nico left. It's her mother, right? She's just coming to the grips. I guess she's reaching that age where she understands her mother's job and you know, she's not going to be home for a while. So, you know, just cutting that part of her life out. It's got to be hard on a kid. It's got to be hard on an adult, but it's got to be really hard on a kid, I guess. I mean, I guess this kid is getting upset because her dad is giving her popcorn and ice cream at the same time. <laughs> well, you get sick. What a you little idiot. That much food. She's <laughs> six or seven years old. Like, take the popcorn and the ice cream. What is mom going to do? Turn the spaceship around? You're good, bro. You're good. <laughs> this is another episode. Of... <laughs> I think I, in this scene, I actually said out loud, well, what a little idiot. Like, yeah. <laughs> kids are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> we cut back to the spaceship. There's a what appears to be the crew. They're all very young. A guy introduces himself as Sasha. He is the public observer. I guess he, this guy isn't in the military or whatever, but he's appointed to the mission to be a representative of the government. 
which I thought was neat. Yeah, this is pretty neat. I guess civilian oversight, not necessarily yeah. civilian oversight in space, but, you know, we talked about it in uh, Occupation. No one gave that woman carte blanche to make decisions on behalf of mankind, but uh, I guess in this instance... She did it, so... <laughs> this instance, your boy Sasha... Actually has been given that. So your boy Sasha doesn't like the taste of his protein shake. He actually comments, he says it tastes like chalk. Yeah. He tries to introduce himself to someone. They're like, no, that I'm not... My name's not Michelle. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still foggy in the in the head. <laughs> oh, so He says it'd be easier if there were uniforms or name tags. And then the person he's talking to says, hey, man, there hasn't been uniforms on a spaceship in like a decade. How old are you? And he just doesn't really say anything. <laughs> it was a nice little exchange to establish his character but also to sh- to explain not explain but to say oh yeah we don't wear uniforms yeah how did cool. you feel about them not wearing uniforms is there really a point when you're on a deep space mission maybe maybe not some would say that it creates order well, uniformity does <laughs> uh, the, you know it is a military <laughs> <If there's> anything... <laughs> i'm assuming military outfit if there is anything missing from this mission it's order <laughs> Jeez. oh man <sighs> there's a meeting Nico reveals to everyone, she's like, hey, just so you know, we're off course. And then she tries to explain everything to everybody. A lot of people seem to be questioning her, or at least not respecting her authority, especially Ian, Yurtza, because as she describes their plan, which they are going to slingshot around the sun, (laughs) sorry, slingshot around Sirius A, and use its gravity to propel themselves at a higher speed. Now, this is a real thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ian, while she's describing this plan, essentially takes over and is like, yeah, we'll ping, 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 and then we'll get you back on track. And then realizes what he's done and kind of doesn't really apologize for his remark. And then Nico asks if anyone is feeling awkward. No one says anything and she calls them liars. Right. Great. Yeah. No one raises their hand, which means yeah. everyone's feeling awkward. Yeah. And then she's like, you know, I'm feeling awkward. Ian, this is your command. You know, like you earned this position, but General Dubois wants me in command. I didn't want this. And then she asks everyone again if they're feeling awkward. And then everyone kind of slowly raises their hand. And then she says, we have a lot to do. We got a lot of work. We have to do it together if we plan on saving everyone's lives back on Earth because we got to find out what the artifact is. She points at a view screen, which is a picture of the artifact. And then we actually scene change directly in front of the artifact. Yeah. Oh, fancy. Great segue. Eric is broadcasting pigeon sounds. General Dubois shows up and she has some great, fantastic story about the apartment that she lived in in D.C. had pigeons and that she hated them. Eric says, oh, yeah, no, I hate them. I hate them, too. However, the artifact broadcasts an infrasound, which I didn't know that was a thing. I, didn't, I still don't know yeah. if it's a thing. I didn't, I didn't bother to look it up. Sound that is too low for the human ear to hear. He rattles off some things that do make that, or that can have infrasound, like giraffes, I think he says, but then uh, pigeons. Some about crocodiles or alligators, yeah. yeah. And so he broadcasts the pigeon noise, drops it down to infrasound, and then nothing happens. I guess it uh, doesn't like pigeons either, you know? Maybe, <laughs> maybe it pooped on it. When the ship was flying around, maybe some pigeons pooped on it. You know, maybe it doesn't like pigeons. Then uh, Dubois is like, yo, the Salvar had a, had to take a detour. Oh, that's Dubois? Yeah, that's General Dubois. Oh, I didn't catch her name the entire time. She's not in a uniform. 
So, well, she doesn't actually say like that's who that is, but later on we find out she's Dubois. Sorry, my apologies. Interesting. Okay. He is on a hollow call. I really like this entire scene, like especially with the camera rotating, changing their perspectives. Like at one minute we're on the ship with Nico staring at Eric. He's describing these pigeons and these birds. And then like as the camera rotates, we're back in their living room with Eric and he's looking at Nico and he's like, oh my God, I'm just talking about these dumb birds. How are you doing? And I think she does the honest thing or she does what anyone would do if they're talking to their significant other for the first time after a long time. And she's just like, I don't care what we're talking about as long as we're talking. Exactly. She asks about Jana. He's like, yeah, she's doing good. And then uh, apparently he's worried about the detour. And she's like, oh, no, no, it's totally safe. He replies with, you're in a tin can flying around a star. Uh, yeah, totally safe. To which she laughs, okay, you should be a, you should be a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. That's what I want to hear. Then she asks about Jana again. And then the call cuts short and William appears. He whooshes into the room and he's like, it's time. <laughs> yeah so this plan is they're going to do three revolutions around the star and then use yeah. its gravity to slingshot back on track yeah and, and apparently since they can't fly through the dark matter what they're going to do is do this to a couple of different stars like that's their plan i think this one they're doing it three times the other ones they're just gonna just whip yeah. around yeah and they can go through the dark matter i guess they've established that dark matter is something they can't see inside of. Yeah, they just can't see. Which through. I don't know. I don't know the science, but like we don't know dark dark matter exists, but we don't know what it is. Right. They've taken the name rather literally. Well, he even says there could be a star system in here that we can't see. That's why they have to yeah. fly through it at impulse speed. That's why it'll add an additional seven months because they can't just FTL through it for obvious reasons. Right. But going around it, they're going to be saving time or maybe. Not yeah. saving time, but not adding as much. This plan does not go according to plan. <laughs> Nothing goes according to plan. They kind of cut it real close, I guess, to the star. And there's a flare. It kind of messes with the ship a little bit. Nico's like, let's abort. Ian says, no, I know what this ship can take. It can take the punishment. And then they hit a really big flare and she aborts the, she aborts the actual maneuver. Mm-hmm. Did you like or dislike this move on Nico's part? Canceling it? Yeah. Aborting the the thing. At this point, I have no reason not to trust her. Sure. So neither, but I... I mean, we're seeing everything from her point of view, mostly, right? This other guy's a hothead. I have to go do this. He's obviously putting him in danger, blah, blah, blah. She also makes a point of saying that if their ship breaks up, there's no other ship that can make the run. They have to be more careful. Right. Right. There's not a second chance for a very, very long time. So, uh, yeah, I like it. I think being more cautious makes more sense. Well, that's what the crew starts talking about in our next scene. Michelle says that. tricks me into into (laughs) segueing us. I'm an expert, man. I'm an expert podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) Michelle, their communications expert, says that after you turn 27, you lose your gumption. It's all cowardice. Because that's what Nico did. She didn't have it in her, the the, forti- the internal fortitude necessary to complete this maneuver. And I wrote here that she's the captain, LOL. <laughs> right? The safety of the crew. And this is why is they need to wear priority. uniforms. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> n- no one on the Enterprise D or 
any Enterprise would question Captain Picard, Kirk, whoever, if they were going Unless to they shut around bones. the sun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, Are you mad? Bones, bones wouldn't even disagree with him. He would just tell him, <laughs> he just tell him he's an idiot. <laughs> but yeah, they're just sitting around talking smack. And then they roast Sasha because he's never been in space. <laughs> he says something about the, he's like, does anyone else feel weird? Like, yeah, he says the ground feels like the floor in a frat house. I guess it's kind of sticky as the, what I got from that. Well, I guess his steps are. It's like harder he, to pick your foot up. Someone asked him if he's ever been in artificial gravity. And he says, no, my parents went on some retreat a couple of years ago, but it's like $100,000 a day. And then everyone kind of looks at it. For a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry that <laughs> not everyone is rich or is in the military and right. flies around on a spaceship. This crew, man, bunch of jerks. Uh, a man with a very, very close haircut makes a comment about Nico's last command about how she made a decision and killed 10 of her crew. And in August, the ship's engineer gets upset and it's like, I'm going to go in engineering. Bring me that diagnostic report and then rolls out of the room. They're like, what are, you, what are you, some kind of idiot? Her brother was on that mission. Yeah, man. Way to do uh, your research, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, would you have wanted to find out why Nico wasn't in space? here or would you have wanted to know about it earlier because they don't touch on it at any point before this i think it was good pacing when would it have come up organically uh i mean it could have been in their beginning argument with nico and eric where oh uh, um, i think i feel like that would have created more friction between husband and wife sure i don't know i don't have a problem with with when it happened it was just weird that this young woman had a brother who was on the who on the mission that died like after it happened i was like oh my god really Really? Like this is where the this is where the conflict comes? Is this crew doesn't trust Nico because she got her other crew killed? Like okay. uh, I don't think that's the case. So apparently this crew has been together for a year. Right. He says she's lost her nerve because of it. Yeah. Which is different. Yeah. We cut to Ian talking to Zan, who is the ship's medic and I guess the ship's counselor. So she's like Richard from thirty twenty two. If she somehow gets <laughs> if she dies going out of an airlock, I will laugh <sighs> he's like i'm struggling right now I, I i don't trust nico i i don't think she's her head is in the right place and zan says she's doing her job man she's trying to keep everyone safe and then he says well you need to keep an eye on her ian is just bad news he's a bad news bear yeah we cut to nico she's asking the ship's ai for advice she says william like what do you think we should do and then he points to the view screen and he's like well we could travel through here blah 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 and then she's like no 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 I want your advice. What should we do? Which I thought was interesting because William never really, I mean, he interacts with the other crew members, but I guess he is solely designed to assist the captain on the mission. Yeah. I, we, we'll go ahead and talk about it now, but did you ever see the movie U571? I know that's a weird question, but. No, I have not. No. Okay. There's a scene in it where Matthew McConaughey, he becomes the commander of a mission People ask him questions, and he yells, I don't know, at his crew members, his uh, subordinates. In a following scene, Harvey Keitel approaches him and says that you should never, ever do that again. I think he says something to the effect that a submarine captain is the scariest thing on the planet, and that as the captain, you're in command. Your responsibility is not only to the ship, to your crew, but also to the mission. I have a point. I'll get to it. The whole point of William being solely designed for Nico is that he, since he's not like, I don't want to say he's not a real person, 
but he's not human. So I guess the human element in their interactions is removed. So she can confide in him. She can ask him for advice because the crew isn't her friends. And even if they were her friends, they're still not her friends because they're the crew. If she has to sacrifice one of their lives in order to complete the mission, she's going to do it, right? Because that's the whole point of command. That's the responsibility, the weight of command on her shoulders. Anyways, but yeah, I thought it was really neat that she had an AI companion. Yeah, it makes sense. That was pretty cool. Yeah. He's filling the role of what, if we're going to continue to make Star Trek references, because (laughs) we are in space, it's Counselor Troy and Commander Data rolled into one, essentially. Well, I wouldn't even say that he's Counselor Troy. She confides in him, asks his opinion on things. But then he also is a computer. I don't know. Well, he does state that he prefers to reach their destination in one piece. So he does have some semblance of self-preservation, which is interesting. Yeah. You know, an AI with emotions. Pretty cool. But yeah, no, I thought it was really neat having William. I don't think proxy's the right word, but not even her right hand, but I guess her left hand. Because Ian is the first officer, so he would be her right hand. So I guess William would be her left hand. Yeah. So yeah. August and Ian roll into this room. I think this is actually the command deck, and they have a plan. Apparently, when they're traveling in, traveling in FTL, there is a shield which is quickly corrected to bubble, that uh, surrounds the ship. They think that if they turn it on, when they get close to Sirius A, it'll protect them. And uh, William says that this has an 11% chance to fail, to which Ian directly replies, that's an 89% chance to succeed. And Nico won't have it. It's too big a gap. Did you agree with that? Do you think that 89% success rate is too low? Um, I'm asking right after I said just earlier that they need to be 100% sure because they're their only shot. I mean, in real life, 11% is too great a risk, in my opinion. If I was in the exact same scenario, I think 11% is the margin for error is just too great. That's more than one out of 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But in a television show where the consequences, like, you know, the there are no consequences, I would totally... 89% is a very good number for me if I was in a science fiction television show. What about you? I think she made the right call. I mean, not even just knowing what I know, but I think that, you know, that's their only chance. They need to hold out for something better instead of going with the first plan that comes up. It's got to be 99% or better. (laughs) Right. This is the part where Ian displays the hot-headedness that Nico had doubts about earlier with Eric. He directly challenges her authority in front of William and August. Like he starts yelling at her and he says that if you're scared, you need to take the first shuttle back to earth to which she replies. (laughs) She essentially says, tell the crew to prepare for somatic sleep. Now. Yeah. He leaves the room again. I don't, I don't get his play. I don't don't, know. I don't 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 understand his moves. I don't know. If what happens at the end of this episode actually happens, I'll be very happy. Uh, <laughs> we cut to a restaurant, Eric and Jana. Uh, she's blowing bubbles in her milkshake, which apparently annoys Eric, which that's fair. He surprises her that it's her mother calling. Jana and Nico have a nice little moment. I, at this point, Nico can't, she can't bring herself to admit that the mission's going to take an additional seven months. She never says it. And I guess that's like the parents trying to protect their child from the truth. But I think it's, I don't know. She just says soon. <laughs> Jana's very sad. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah, for sure. Eric sends her off to go get him some milk. Talks to her a little bit. Uh, 
Like, <laughs> I have down here that, like, even in the future, what parent sends their six-year-old child off into a restaurant to find the waitress to get milk? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought maybe it was a machine, you know, like the soda machine. But the restaurant looked too nice for you to be going and getting your own, I don't know. Yeah, like those big multi-flavored coca-cola machine yeah yeah but it's got milk in it why not yeah chocolate milk like they have at the uh, holiday inn express yeah 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 eric and Jana talk a little bit she's like i want you to tell her that i love her every day give me a hug give her a hug every day and he's like yeah cool and then she hangs up on him you know i guess it makes sense that she'd want to do it like that you know she doesn't want to prolong the painful moment still it sucks to get hung up on yeah it does eric Looks over his shoulder and's like, Jana? Jana? Man, I I was ready to freak out. I was ready yeah, to no, freak this, out. This is what I'm talking about. Even in the future, why would you do this? <laughs> it's like, how safe is this future? We hear a crying baby. Eric walks, uh, He, I guess he finds the crying baby. And Jana is actually singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star to this baby. And it kind of calms the baby down. And Eric has the face of a man who has just had a light bulb moment. What did they have before they had light bulb moments that's like the joke right that the light bulb was such a good idea that the light bulb became a symbol for good ideas right so what <laughs> the word epiphany is what you're looking for eric meets with his scientist buds and general Dubois. they're walking towards the artifact very quickly and he says uh my daughter was singing a song the other day and it seemed very ubiquitous but then i had an idea and he essentially analyzed Every single deep space transmission that has ever left Earth, which was thousands, apparently. And uh, I think he says hundreds of thousands, like immediately afterwards. So he narrowed it down to on October 24th of 2026, a group of, I think he says, Australian scientists beamed a song by Mozart directly at Canis Major. And then he starts playing the song and then he lowers it down to infrasound. Nothing happens. Yeah. Very tense. Every time that like... He does this. It's always a very tense scene, which I thought was interesting. The show has a good way of just like, this is such an innocuous thing. It's just another day in the office for him, (laughs) but he's going about it in such an intense and deliberate manner that you're just, you're hanging on to it. You're like, all right, what's going to happen? What's going to happen, Chris? (laughs) Which I thought was really, it's really neat because the A story, which is Nico on the Salvare and the B story, which is Eric. Well, I guess the B story is um, Nico and Ian's, interaction so i guess the c story is eric and i don't want to say that his stuff isn't quote-unquote important oh it's very important but they managed to make what would be a boring scene not be boring i thought that was pretty cool yeah we cut back to the salvare uh nico is gonna go back into soma sleep with the others and then she asks william why he chose the name william apparently it's the name of one of the fathers of cybernetics and he wanted to be named he wanted his name to have meaning which I thought was pretty neat. Did you look up that person to see if it's a real person? William Gray something. It also gives you a little insight into this is not just a simple AI program. If he had a, he picked out his own name and wanted it to be whatever this is. Yeah, that is a real person. Cool. Born in 1910, William Gray Walter was an American-born British neurophysiologist, cybernetician, and a robotician. Awesome. I'm guessing... In 1910! Yeah. When did he die? 1977. Oh, that's a shorter than it should have been, but all right. That's cool. 60, I wasn't sure if they were making up a person that he was naming, named after because right. it's the future yeah. or if they oh. were doing a real person. So that's pretty nifty. Wow. He discovered brain waves, delta waves, alpha waves, and created the autonomous robot. 
I feel like I should have <laughs> recognized his name. Wow. Oh, well. I feel uneducated right now. That's, yeah, that's where I'm at. This guy's probably one of the most important people of the 20th century. <laughs> Send me that link. Send me that link. Put that in our Discord. Jeez. Uh, man, link it in the show notes. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Sorry, Will. Uh, we, let, <laughs> we let you down on that one. I blame the public school system. Anyways... And then she's like, why do you look like this? And he says, well, I modeled myself after your likes and dislikes. <laughs> just wrote, because uh... she smirks after he says that. She like closes her eyes and smirks a little bit, which I don't know. This is kind of weird. You didn't get creepy vibes from all this, this scene? A little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. A little creepy, yeah. <laughs> they walk into, I guess, the Soma room, the Soma stack. And Ian is there with two other people. <laughs> I have here, uh, it's a mutiny. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Good old-fashioned mutiny party. He says that he's there. He is here to relieve her of her command, that she is of not sound mind and body. And essentially, he's going to take over the ship. And she's like, whoa, 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 man, we had a disagreement. Let's go talk. And he just straight up calls her out. He's like, are you going to change your mind? And she doesn't say anything. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I thought so. Did she punch first? Well, I, maybe I missed it. He orders her his lackeys, I guess, to take her into custody. And she breaks or at least hits Michelle hard enough in the face to where it makes her nose bleed. And then she punches homeboy, the bald guy, or not the, but the short haircutted man who made an idiot of himself earlier. And then she gets jabbed in the side with what appears, I guess, is a tranquilizer or I guess the thing that yeah. you shoot yourself up with Whoa. I'm sorry. Uh, it's the thing that you um inject uh, no it's even worse it's even worse <laughs> it's a tranquilizer god just leave it at well that. well no i think it's like the thing that make you go to sleep for the soma tube like i don't know if it's a, like tranquilizer is the appropriate word or not well i always assumed this was a tranquilizer yeah to get her to the soma sleep yeah william remarks that he's been locked out of the somatic systems so he can't do anything to stop it I wrote down here that Nico suffers from Captain John-itis from 3022. Oh, okay. I was like, I was going through my list. There was no Captain John in 3022. She has an altercation in which her first officer directly challenges her authority. And she does absolutely nothing. She doesn't like take any preventative measures. She doesn't go to the ship's counselor to tell her about it. She doesn't have William like lock out. Ian's command codes. Uh, I, don't, you're, I think you're overreacting. I'm not overreacting. <laughs> Before this scene, he contradicted her in public, but he didn't threaten her. He didn't say he was going to do anything anyways. Nothing. And there's nothing. He's not mentally unhinged like the crew that other space station was. Spacecraft. <laughs> so there's there's no reason for her to take the huge measure of locking out her first officer. I, I guess first, I'm saying first officer, second in command, whatever. I just felt like it was a like it was a bad move. Like she just didn't take any precautions. This crew has been hostile to her from the beginning of the mission, probably since sure. she arrived in Houston. And she just doesn't take any safeguards. I don't know. I thought it was a bad play. Maybe, but as we find out later, she doesn't really need to. Like William refuses to let other people make contradictory decisions. Right. Right. So it's already built in. She already has those safeguards. He directly challenged her authority in front of the chief engineer. And the ship's AI. I just, I, I would yeah. not let that go. Yeah. I would have put him in Soma sleep immediately and have woken up his replacement. <laughs> I said, well, you know what? It's time for you to go night-night. 
Speaking of Night Night, we have a crew meeting. Ian reveals <laughs> his plan or what he has done. And then Javier is like, bro, what, what, WTF? And then he says, Javier, you know me. I wouldn't do anything rash without thinking it through. Uh, mutiny. Mutiny. <laughs> like, I, this is, you can still get hanged for this, right? In the, in the military? I, no, no one gets hang, hanged? Hung? I, th- I think you get hung or you walk the plank or something. You get you shot. the plank. You yeah. die. Yeah, yeah, you walk the plank. <laughs> yeah. Right into you the get, Gulf of Mexico. Th- you get thrown out of an airlock. <laughs> <laughs> Arr, walk the airlock. Anyways, and it essentially tells him like, hey, if you don't like the choices I've made, feel free to go back into your soma tube and I'll wake up your replacement. And then no one says anything. And then he orders William to uh, initiate the slingshot maneuver and William's like, nah, dog, I don't answer to you. I answer to Nico. Ian gets in his face, starts screaming at him about how he's a computer and he's a tool. <laughs> I wrote down, like, what is yelling at the computer going to do for you? Yeah. <laughs> you can't convince it it's a computer. What are you reasoning with it? What are you doing? Maybe it's to, like, cow his crew members into following him if he shows his aggression. I guess. It's poor leadership. <laughs> There's a lot of poor leadership in this, on this ship. Zane, the doctor, or Zan, he asks, you know, was Nico of right mind? And she's like, well, she was under a lot of stress. And well, Who isn't on this ship? She doesn't, she doesn't really say anything else. And then he asks Sasha, do you recognize my authority? And Sasha's like, what? I, 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 what? Ian's like, your sole purpose on this ship is to resolve issues like this. This is the whole point of having the government oversight. Do you recognize my authority? <laughs> this guy, Sasha, folds like a house of cheap playing cards. He's like, yeah. I guess at this point, William is forced to obey Ian's orders. Yeah. I like it. Which part? I like the whole, this whole scene. It really, not just, the, I like the whole scene, the interaction between the people, but I also like the, I guess, the little bit of world building we get where the ship has to be convinced, for lack of a better word. It has to see proof of change of leadership. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why he's there. And the doctor, I think it's well done. Everyone disperses, and then Ian creepily stands over William's shoulder as he initializes the maneuver. It's slingshot time. They get close to Sirius A. It's a little bumpy. Ian orders August to turn on the FTL bubble. Calms down a little bit. And we get a small scene change to Nico laying in bed with Eric and... Jana, I thought this was a flash forward for a second. Oh, really? Yeah, like maybe we flash forward, she wakes up, the mission was a success, blah, 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 blah. But that's not the case because we cut back and there's a big flare. And I wrote here that it the big flare, well, flares up uh, right in front of them. <laughs> they fly through it. It like it shakes the ship a little bit. They complete their third revolution. He orders that the FTL drive activate. It doesn't work. Apparently that last flare like drained all the energy out of it. Another flare goes up right in front of them. They fly through that one. The FTL drive and the, the bubble are gone. And we just get a great zoom on Ian's face. <laughs> he realizes what is going on. Like, oh no. It's great. It is. We cut back to Nico in the dream. There's a little bit of thunder. There's actually a little bit of thunder outside my house right now. And then Eric says, there's nothing I like more than a summer storm. Not in Texas, bro. <laughs> I like our storms. Summer storms usually mean one of two things. Well, hail and tornadoes. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> don't exactly enjoy the summer storms. 
they kind of huddle up, they cuddle, and Janna asks, just, is time travel real? <laughs> <laughs> well, they were talking about time travel. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just, it's just funny. Like, is time travel real? Hmm. Shouldn't you be asking me what we're going to have for dinner, kid? Anyways, there's some heavy shaking. Nico gets out of bed. Some stuff falls on the ground. She turns. Jan and Eric are gone. She's walking around. I also have here that we have a lot of Nico with short or no sleeves in this episode. Yeah. She's well, always showing off her guns, which man. I mean, rock them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's got some yeah. nice guns. <laughs> yeah. Like if you got them, flaunt them. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> I think I've made this complaint before about unfit people doing fit people things and movies like fights and things like that yeah no not complaining about that with her she's very she, much capable and she looks the part i love it she's no what's that one girl's name emily no Paige telco uh, i can't think of actress names right now <laughs> ali uh amanda bynes no it's jen something she was um jennifer aniston no she was in she did ufc and then she was an actress like she was in one of the ronda rousey no the fast and the furious movies which yeah ronda rousey no the other one uh, there was another was one in, she was in deadpool deadpool ronda rousey was also in the expendables movie gina carano simulant yeah she looks familiar mandalorian she was in the Mandalorian. oh yeah she's in the mandalorian yeah yeah she was I in mean, Fast she, and the Furious? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was um what? barred from the Hobbit's like sidekick. What? She was Luke Evans' sidekick in that. It's not important. Owen Shaw, I think is his name. Oh, oh yeah. Are you getting your FFs confused, my friend? Oh, man, there's <laughs> nine of them. Jeez. <laughs> I'm still mad that they didn't just keep going like Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, Three Fast, Three Furious, Four Fast. I know I'm, you are. I'm still upset they didn't do I know that. you are anyways the reason why there's all this shaking is because the ship is under duress right nico is getting woken up august is there and she's like you gotta you gotta wake up ian's gonna tear the ship apart like hey you know thanks for doing something before the ship started falling apart thanks for having the conscience after the mutiny you stupid idiot (laughs) they start stumbling through the hallway august almost falls into like this weird electrical thing which doesn't seem very safe. I think Osha would have a problem with this hallway, but Nico looks at her and says, pretend you're drunk at a bar. Walls are your friend. Nice. (laughs) Solid advice. Anyways, Nico is on the bridge. Ian is trying to get William to salvage the situation. Nico orders William to vent the hydrogen. Oh yeah. So August tells her that the hydrogen and the oxygen are probably gonna mix soon and blow up is that a thing sure <laughs> fair enough what were the two elements hydrogen and oxygen i think she says well yeah that's how we do the space shuttle launches are hydrogen and oxygen those were that's what's in the tanks being mixed together oh. and that, so most of the, like the big smoke that you see from a uh, yeah shuttle launch that's just h that's just um it's two parts it's two parts hydrogen one part oxygen it's mostly just water vapor cool and that is off memory apologize if i'm wrong but yeah that's one of the main sources of energy is hydrogen oxygen combination yeah it's pretty nifty william vents all the hydrogen and then uh (laughs) she orders august to get their systems online no matter what which was a very yelling at scotty down in the engine bay to (laughs) give me all you got uh she orders 
Bernie and Javier to get Ian off the bridge. Ian says, what are you going to do, computer boy? Ian proceeds to, uh, he gets taken into custody. (laughs) (laughs) William is like, yo, we're not out of trouble yet. Nico's like, give me direct control of the ship. She gets in the cockpit, which I I think the cockpit was really cool. We didn't talk about it earlier when she walks into it, but it's just, I guess, a big glass bowl at the end of the ship, which I thought was really neat. Yeah. Big window right in front of a star. Not safe. Not safe. Not Not safe at all. She dives directly towards the star, levels out. The FTL bubble's holding a little bit, and this flare is starting to swell up, and she rides it right up towards the top of it. She's surfing it, hits the FTL drive right as they reach, I guess, the pinnacle or the zenith of this thing, and they fly away. Really neat. Very tense scene. Yeah, very good. From the moment Nico arrives back on the bridge, I was, uh, I would say I was on pins and needles, but I was like, I was waiting for what's going on. I was really, I didn't know what was going to happen. Oh, anything could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, cut back to earth. Eric is sitting on the ground, uh, I guess, uh, sulking for his failures. I think they, at some point said that like they've done over 150 experiments. Yeah. Dubois is like, Hey, I know you've worked really hard on this. And (laughs) Eric's like, Oh, so you're going to fire me, huh? She's like, yeah, you know, I'm sorry, but if if you have any ideas, reach out, you know. Yeah, it feels weird they don't have one team working on it. Well, maybe they have more than one team. And I guess he's leading a team, so maybe they're like, no more leading a team. We're going to put your resources yeah. under other people. They, they didn't say any of that. It came across as, because you don't see a lot of other people, really just a couple right. of them. Like, I don't know. No, I got you. No, I totally agree. He might be in charge of just a bunch of scientists. They're just doing sonic experiments at this point. Maybe not all 140 whatever experiments were sonic yeah sound waves that makes sense there's a rumbling everyone looks at the artifact lights dance across it and then it proceeds to blast back at them the mozart song at full volume yeah and then it's silent for a second and then everyone starts freaking out cheering he hugs his assistant does a cartwheel runs around i'm assuming there's some high fives in the background and then general dubois just staring at the artifact and I actually wrote down that he has all the leverage now, right? He's not fired, that's for sure. Well, no, he is fired, but they need him to keep working on the project, right? So he could just turn around and be like, I'll come back under these conditions. Oh, but he won't. But yes, but he won't. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I never want to pay taxes again. <laughs> uh, well, you don't You don't have to pay taxes. Uh, we um, We get a damage report. We've cut back to the ship. Nico and William are talking. He said, all comms are down. And she's like, even our communication's back to Earth? To which he annoyingly replies, all comms. (laughs) (laughs) I guess she wasn't listening the first time. I don't know. Then he says that the somatic system is offline. Everyone who's asleep is safe, but they can't put people under or wake people up. Now we get another conflict or another part of the conflict is she can't put Ian under. He mutinied. Now would be the time to make him go to sleep. She can't. William says that uh, he was actually scared during the whole thing. He reminds her that you know Ian will answer for what he's done, but it has to be after the mission, which is, uh, I guess, true. I don't know. I think yeah. I would have shot him. Well, you use him, but keep him on a short leash. There's got to be a resource issue at this point. Yeah. They haven't talked about it, but if they can't go back to sleep, then... I don't know. I imagine food might become a problem. Sure. That type of thing. Yeah. The crew's having dinner. Speaking of food, William, Nico, and Ian all arrive at the same time. 
And Nico essentially calls them out. She's like, I don't care if you don't like me. We're not friends. Yeah. You're the crew. I got a job to do. You got a job to do. You got to do your job. Uh, we got to work together. We got to get this ship back into ship shape. So go do that now. That's an order. So everyone kind of disperses. I just feel like up until this moment, Ian is getting, hes I wouldn't say he's getting off the hook, but yeah. No, I, there definitely should have been some kind of punishment because I think he just goes yeah. back to his role as first officer. She More doesn't or less. like bust him down, make him like the custodian or something. He's a little too happy. Are you talking about this part where she's observing the crew? Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's looking at a tablet. I guess she's going over the reports, looking at all the dials and knobs and switches on her tablet. And she just watches this guy get some grease or goo on his hand. And then he grease, just kind of yeah. walks around laughing like, ha, ha, ha. I'm going to get the grease on you. <laughs> and I, I have down here that this is where we definitely find out that Nico is on an island. It's the responsibility of command. You'd think that if you just got busted down after a mutiny, you would be a little bit more somber. This guy's making jokes, trying to get everybody's spirits up and whatnot. I don't know. I expected the entire time for her to just lash out, admonish him publicly right there. Like, hey, get back to work. At the very least, put him in line. I mean, again, I would have shot him. I don't think they have guns, bruh. Well, (laughs) can we talk about another submarine movie? Uh, Hunt for Red October. The scene in which Alec Baldwin is trying to get the captain of the the Dallas to chase after the Red October. He starts yelling at the captain and the captain asks the first, he asks his first officer, or no, he says, chief, get the sergeant of arms and his firearm. So, I mean, is that normal? Maybe. I don't know. Have you ever been on a submarine? No, and if I was, I couldn't tell you. Okay. No, that's a thing. Apparently you can't tell people that you're on submarines. Yeah, you know who would tell you that? Somebody who never been on a submarine but wanted you to think he had been. Look, man. Whatever. No, whatever. It's all good. They, um... (laughs) This scene made me laugh out loud right up until the end of it. So Nico is in the dark trying to repair something. And she's got a good old ratchet socket wrench. And she's just ratcheting away. And Ian comes into the room. He's like, yeah, what do you want me to do? You want me to get out and push? Yeah, he's being an ass. You want me to get out? Yeah. And she just calls him out. She's like, you mutinied. There's no way around it. Like, you mutinied. And he he has absolutely crazy eyes in this scene. They are open all the way. And his pupils are crazy dilated. Like, he looks absolutely insane. And he presents her with, I guess, you consider it an impossible question or an impossible situation. But, you know, he's like, I did did what I did because I thought it was right. I did it for the best of the mission. She's like, you know, no, you did it because of your ego. She says, I came all the way out here to protect her. And then he says, yeah, her, not us, not Earth, her. Given the chance, would you sacrifice her or us? And, you know, she refuses to answer that question. I mean, one, because she doesn't have to. She's the captain. Right. She doesn't have to. She doesn't answer to her subordinates. They answer to her. But secondly, even if she did, that's that's a ridiculous question. And she says it like that's ridiculous. I don't I don't have to answer that. <laughs> you know what i mean like it's i don't know like, again yeah. i don't think he plays any of his hands correctly i think he's sitting down at the table and he's got a pair of twos and he thinks he has like a full house <laughs> like i don't know i think he's just way too that's confident a good way of putting it no idea what he's doing and then he walks over to the table that he was playing with stuff on earlier and he picks up a drywall saw why do yeah, they have a drywall saw in yeah space? i mm. 
<laughs> like, come on, prop department. Like, you could be like, hey, man, we need to get some tools on that uh, card over there and scene two or um, scene whatever. Yeah. Set A. And the guy like walks over with a toolkit, puts down a wrench, puts down a hammer, and then's like, yeah, drywall saw. Well, they no didn't know what it was. <laughs> no one will know what this thing is. What would they use that for? It looked worn, too. That's the thing. Like, it wasn't new. I think it had a wooden handle. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem oh, smart. Man. Yeah. No. It's very, very weird. Very yeah. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't. <sighs> Maybe that's the reason why this thing has, like, a 4.9. Anyways, the prop department. It's all their fault, right? Uh, He tells her that he wouldn't have been as magnanimous had the situation been reversed. Yeah, fair. It was at that point I thought that what is about to happen was not going to happen. I was going back and forth. When he said that, I think, oh, he's understanding that he's his chances here. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's full on psycho. I, I I don't get it. It's beyond hot headedness. Like he just mutinied. And then because let's go ahead and put our let's go ahead and call it duck a duck. He walks towards her with the drywall saw in his hand in a fairly threatening manner. Yeah. He wasn't just holding it out down by his side, relaxed. Like he had it in a position that you would use to maybe stab somebody with. Now, on the other side, he doesn't really make any moves. Like I watched this scene three times just to make sure I watched, like I saw everything that I needed to see. Because she turns around. She doesn't even look at his hand. She just kicks him. He she sees his hand. Her. She looks at his hand. I, I don't, I'm watching it right now. I'm watching her eyes. She's looking directly at him. And then she blinks and then kicks him. <laughs> no, I thought, I don't know. But she, she hears him walk up. Yeah. No, He again, He he's very aggressive. He approaches her aggressively. His stance is aggressive. He just doesn't do anything. And so she kicks him right in the chest. And he flies into a big electrical field that appears to be on a wall. It's blue and it proceeds to burn his skin off. He fries like an egg. I will say that electricity wasn't there when she kicked him. Yeah, it was. Was it? I didn't see it. I don't, maybe I just didn't catch it. So it was there the whole time. So I'm trying to decide, did she deliberately kick him into the electricity or did that just happen when she more or less defended herself? I think she just kicked him. Because she's shook after he falls to the ground. She's an obvious shock. Like she starts breathing really heavily. And then I guess she steals herself, slams whatever tools she has in her hand on the ground and walks out of the room. So is he dead? He's not alive. That's for sure. How do we know? I mean, just he burned his eyes. <laughs> he's not moving. He's, yeah. It's just more than his skin off, man. He's cooked. No, for sure. But I mean, the. That one dude I thought was dead, and you told me that he wasn't dead, so who knows? Which dude's not dead? Oh, and Mythica. Yeah. Yeah. But that guy didn't get burned alive, so. <laughs> he just had his life force drained. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm, not taking, I'm not taking Ian's side. He's an idiot. Complete fool. Played every single scenario the wrong way. Ran on throwing downs, threw on running plays. Like, he just, he, idiot. But he doesn't do anything. He just walks towards her. And she kicks him into an electric field and kills him. Yeah. I don't know. Heck of a way to end a pilot. Yeah. Did you watch all the way through the credits? I didn't see anything. It starts trying to play the next episode, so I know there's nothing. Right. Another life. Yeah. So what did you think? I liked it. I did too. It's weird that we've done three shows in a row. (laughs) 
that just for some reason the television shows I like more than the movies that we pick. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it says something about us that it says about the... The problem is that anybody can get... I say anybody, but it's probably much easier to get the funding for your 90-minute television or a movie than it is for 10 hours of television. Sure. So I, I imagine that's where it is. I liked it quite a bit. I, I guess the one thing I'm intrigued by is why is it named Another Life? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Something we're missing or we don't know yet. Well, I mean, she, I guess she does live another life or what's, I'm trying, I'm not, I'm not trying to be obtuse, but you, they have one life when they're together and they have another life when they're separate. Maybe. 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 That's a, I mean, that's a reach, but that's the only thing I could even think of. That's a huge reach, my friend. I don't, I don't don't think so, but maybe, maybe. What'd you think? I already said I liked it. I guess I'll say it again. I liked it. I'll probably watch the next episode. I do think old Ian dies because he gets a guest star. Credit. Oh, <laughs> so he's a dreamer flashback. All right, good. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, I'm I'm intrigued. I don't know if I'm intrigued enough to watch another episode. I'm on the fence. Yeah, I'll let you know. Okay. What did you think about... We didn't really talk about it in our first section, but what about the effects Good. The camera work, the cinematography, the action sequences. Solid. Oh, we talked about how they have they do a really good job of making everything important. Every scene has this gravity to it that I really, really enjoyed. I mean, yeah, it was described as a drama series on Wikipedia, but... It has a decent amount of action. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I feel like things are happening. Anything else you want to talk about? That's where I recognize that guy from. All right. Who? Uh, sorry, William is a recurring character in three seasons of Doctor Who. Oh. Sorry. I, he looked familiar, and I was looking him up. I will say that What's-His-Face needs to tuck his shirt in. <laughs> Who? The the I don't remember his name. The husband? Why does he need to tuck his shirt in? He has a button-up shirt, and one side is tucked in. The other side is not in every scene. If I mean, it was he also... once, if it was once, would be like, oh, he's flush. But no, at home, when we first see him, it's like that. Uh, every time he's out looking at the alien artifact, he just doesn't know how to tuck his shirt all the way in. And maybe that's future fashion, but I somehow doubt it. I mean, he's a scientist. He doesn't have time to be worried about his appearance. You know what I mean? You'd have to worry more about untucking one flap of your shirt. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. I mean, you could, but... I'm just, I'm not. Well, I think that'll about do it for me. That'll do it for me as well. Awesome. This has been another episode of the B-Roll Podcast. We are the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at scifiwiseguys at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, share, review. Give me five stars if you liked it. Give me five stars if you didn't, but tell me what you did or didn't like because a one-star review with no words on it isn't going to help me. You can hit us up on Twitter at B underscore roll podcast. You can also uh, do our Patreon. What's our Patreon? patreon.com slash b underscore roll if you really liked what you heard and you want to give us the funds to keep doing it that's where you can do it we really appreciate it just want to say thanks for listening again remember in 2020 it's important to be safe keep your mental health in a good spot you are loved you are important so i know this year has been tough but uh you can do it thanks for listening thanks guys Have you never seen Semi-Pro?
Ah, oh, dang. I don't think so. It's like a Will Ferrell basketball joint. It's oh yeah, he did that one, and he did the um the figure skating one like real quick, and I think I just passed on both. Uh, nah, Semi Pro is worth the watch. I might have actually seen the figure skating one. 